Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, our lecturer in philosophy, and today our topic is going to be classic realism. So if you remember from last time, we talked about the problem of knowledge, and we we kind of dove into the area of epistemology, which is that branch of um, philosophy that asks the question, how do you know that? And uh, so we, we, we looked at that question, and many of the questions um, surrounded the idea of justifying your beliefs. How do you know that to be true? How do you understand that? And so we looked at different things like skepticism, and uh, we looked at um, you know how it is that people justify their beliefs. Do they justify it by their feelings, by evidence? Or, or any of uh, uh, other um, aspects. But the, the question of justification came up. And so today we want to kind of continue that conversation um, about, uh, because the, the problem of knowledge is, we, is that we are, we are trying to seek the truth. And this is, this is why we want to know. We want to know the truth. You know, our intellects are ordered towards knowing the truth. And so today, Dr. Smith, we're going to dive into an actual solution, uh, even though we didn't quite get there uh, last time. We talked about a lot of a lot of issues, a lot of wrong paths uh, to knowledge, right. some fallen ones and stuff. So, uh, for us here, obviously, the topic is classic realism. But is classic realism is it this better and more reliable way to the truth? And if so, uh, how do we define it? Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> it is a better way. Otherwise, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> I think that you said, uh, I think that you labeled our last podcast the most frustrating and annoying podcast ever. Because <laughs> we never got to an answer. Oh, right. We'll try to, try to give our, our listeners some uh, relief uh, today. Um, so, uh, you know, if you remember from last time, you know, we looked at coherentism, foundationalism, mm-hmm. rationalism, all sorts of different isms. Right. Right. As you said, different ways that people have thought about um, how you get to knowledge, how you get to the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found all of those are really end up in a, in a bad position. Um, and, and sort of almost by a process of elimination, I think you sort of back your way into, uh, well, what came before modern epistemology? Cause all of those, you know, attempts we were looking at were really modern uh, ideas. Um, and, I think there are some unifying themes in modern epistemology for why all those theories uh, failed, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit towards the end. But um, uh, the alternative to the modern approach, right? So the modern approach tries to use this definition, justified true belief, right? That's the standard modern definition. And then tries to use the materials of reason to show, to demonstrate, really, that we have such a thing as justified true belief, so to show that it is, and then to explain how we get it. All of those aff- attempts have failed. The better option, right, which is the, the the prior option, which by a lot of modern philosophers was considered unsophisticated, kind of uh, naive, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, but actually, I think we find is actually very sturdy and reliable. Mm-hmm. So this is called classical realism, What the theory I'm about to develop here. Uh, one, classical, just in the sense that it's the kind of consensus view you get uh, from pre-modern philosophers in the Western tradition, not all of them, but the consensus view. So it's classical in that sense, or pre-modern, and it's realist. Now, uh, when I say realist, a uh, couple of qualifications. Sometimes I use, in a, I say a given conversation, maybe about foreign policy or politics, I'll use the term realist in opposition to kind of naive or utopian ideas about practical politics, right? right. So um, realist sometimes means, okay, get your head out of the clouds. You need to pay attention to the facts on the ground, right? You know, right. Um, you know, sort of like Jimmy Carter probably could have used a heavy dose of real, uh, realism in his foreign policy, right? <laughs> yeah, or Ber- Bernie Sanders uh, in his economic policy. That's you know? right. That's right. <laughs> realism is, you know, we need to pay attention. In that setting means, you know, stop being so idealistic in the um, kind of practical sense. Mm-hmm. Now, that sense of realism versus idealism is actually, though, a carryover from epistemology. The real sort of um, antithesis of realism is idealism, mm-hmm. right? In the 
philosophical sense or the epistemological sense. So actually you can see how this is kind of related to foreign policy if you think about it a little bit. But yeah. idealism was developed by Kant, right? And we talked about this a little bit towards the end of our last uh, podcast. Idealism is the view that truth happens when the objects of experience fit the categories of the mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ideal, that is the mind, right, serves as the standard for the objects of experience, right? And thereby is the real foundation for truth and knowledge, okay? So Kant, right, you know, as I've said in several podcasts, I really see Kant as kind of the, you know, you can, you can pick your watershed. There's different ones, but he's a really <laughs> good candidate for, yeah. oh, wow, like he really sets up what comes later, right? He, as I said before, he's not himself a radical subjectivist, but he kind of sets up the framework for the kind of subjectivism that we deal yeah, with what, today. Yeah, what happens if those ideas in your mind are, are flawed, according uh-huh. to, yeah, against reality? Yeah. or that those categories are, are individualistic and historically contingent then you get postmodernism <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right? <laughs> right that's what you get um, so um, um, the antithesis of that view mm-hmm. is uh, is realism in which reality okay key point that which is in itself mm-hmm. right okay not something that's mind dependent but that which has meaning and reality outside of the mind, beyond the mind, right? That that's the standard. Really fascinating. When Leo XIII relaunches Thomism, right, as kind of, you know, the kind of Leonine revival of Thomism in the 19th century, he he is deploying it specifically as an antidote to the kind of idealism that he sees coming out of German and Germany at the time. Of course, Kant is, a, is an earlier figure, but he sees that idealism developing in Germany and spilling over into theological issues. And so um, he deploys Thomas really as the antithesis right, of that, and realism as the antithesis. So when you're thinking about realism then, right, it's the idea that the thing in itself, which Kant denies we know, right? Right, right, but right. That the thing that exists in itself and has a meaning in itself beyond the mind, that's the standard. And the truth and knowledge happens when the mind conforms itself to being, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I think the the, the question then would come up is, uh, well, well, Dr. Smith, my my senses have failed me in the past. So how can I really, how can I trust that my senses are really picking up reality? <laughs> I'll come back to that. Okay, good. <laughs> Uh, that's a Cartesian objection, but that's kind yeah, of the yeah. first plank of classical realism is just to get that idea of truth and knowledge out there. That truth and knowledge has to do with the conformity of the mind to being, right. to something outside of itself. That's something that exists in itself and has a meaning in itself. Right. Right. That's kind of the first premise or principle. The second one is that, and this kind of goes with what you were saying at your very introduction, but that the truth and therefore reality is the object of intellect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That the intellect and thought is defined relative to truth, uh, that the intellect is ordered towards truth, right? Um, so that this is a uh, this is a technical point. It's a general point, but it's a technical point as well. When you're thinking about the proper object of a power for St. Thomas, right? right? The proper object of a power is what stimulates and actualizes that power. So... You wouldn't see if there weren't things to see. Right. <laughs> right. The best proof that there are visibles is that you see, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Visibles, that is quality, uh, color, things like that, right, stimulates, right, the powers and makes the powers to kick into actuality, right? Uh, so that's one way of thinking about it, right, is that it's almost sort of like a system that's set up to pick up something like a radar, right? And it starts to blip when it picks up on its object, right? Blip is a technical term. <laughs> <laughs> very, very fine um, definition. Yeah, fine definition there. Uh, so uh, it's like this with intellect, though. All thought, and this is really, I think, fascinating. It's a basic point, but the, the mind is set up to understand and know reality. It's right, right. ordered to being, towards truth. 
an indication of this, just an initial indication, uh, is that all thought really is defined in terms of truth, that thought and truth are so closely aligned to each other, so closely connected, that you can't rationally think that you don't have the truth. Okay. <laughs> right, because you can't <laughs> rationally think without, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You end up in all kinds of knots and contradictions. Yeah. And so... Um, what the, the strongest evidence then, right, that we, we do know reality is that we think, right? And yeah. that when we think, we can't eliminate the concept of truth and the standard of truth from our thinking, right? So again, just quickly to summarize, just these are just the raw basic elements, right, of classical right, realism. Right. One, the truth and knowledge consist in conformity of the mind to, the, to reality. Two, that the proper object of thought is reality and being right uh and three that the best evidence that we have right knowledge and uh, uh real contact with being is that thought occurs right um well i shouldn't say that's the best evidence but that's an indication now these are what are, are really baseline premises for epistemology in other words if you don't accept these premises mm -hmm. i would even say call them principles then you can't actually do epistemology and you can't actually think rationally at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the, the way to show that these are the case is what's called dialectical refutation. Right. That's a, that's a big, big, uh, have you heard that phrase before? Yes. Last year I impressed my in-laws at Thanksgiving with that word. It was a, uh, nice. it was a great comment. No, I'm just joking. I've never used that word. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, man. No. This is a philosophical stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it this Thanksgiving and see what happens. All right. Yeah, yeah. We'll give it a shot. We'll see what happens or if they just all leave the room for the uh, for the bar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like, what is this janky nonsense Jason come down here talking about? Um, <laughs> uh, goes back east and, man, yeah. just loses his mind. Um, all right. What is it? Dialectical refutation? That's right. All right reputation. So demonstration is a higher level, right, in uh -huh. classical logic. So demonstrations, when you take two premises and you derive the truth of a conclusion or you derive the necessary falsehood of uh -huh. a conclusion premise, right? So uh, you use one of the classical syllogisms to demonstrate a negation, right, 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 right. or a classical syllogism to demonstrate a affirmation. Dialectical refutation is kind of uh, prior to that. It's kind of almost more basic. And it's kind of what Socrates does a lot of in the dialogue. So mm -hmm. if you find the Socratic dialogues annoying, well, sorry, <laughs> you're about to be annoyed again. But this is what we're, where what you do is you take a person's hypothesis mm -hmm. and you, sh uh, and uh, the, the Greek for term for this is alinkus, right? You, you, you take the person's hypothesis and you show that that hypothesis leads to some sort of absurdity, right? Some sort of um, confusion or contradiction or self-defeating uh, condition, and thereby show that that pro that premise cannot be true, right? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, hence dialectical. It's back and forth. It's not like a clear demonstration, right? You're going back and forth dialectically, uh, but it's a refutation. Now, yeah. one of the things that's really fascinating here, a little logic 101 here, Jason. Okay. <laughs> so just take, let's take two propositions here. Um, um, no wars are just, that's one proposition. Okay. Second proposition, some wars are just. Right. Okay. Um, those are contradictory propositions, right? right? Strictly speaking, right? Yeah. Can both of those propositions be true, Jason? No, they cannot. <laughs> Good. Congratulations. All right. You did it. Man. Uh, uh, okay. And then, but then in addition to that, right, they can't both be true. Can they both be false? It's a little trickier. Can they both be false? Uh, so, uh, yes. <laughs> no. No. Jason. Fails. They can't both be false. Why can't Think they that be... could be false. You're probably thinking, like, if you say all wars are just yeah. and no wars are just, both of those could be false, right? Right, right. Oh, okay. Are, yeah. Yeah, those are called contraries, right? Yeah, yeah. 
contradictories, right? So, um, no war is just, some are not. Yeah. Yes. It, it, not to get too technical, but somewhere, like wars fall somewhere on the line of s- some are or none are. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? It yeah, falls yeah. somewhere in there. So this is important, though, because if you can show that one contradictory is false, then the other must be true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right. cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you, I think the 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 example that a lot of people are probably familiar with uh, is like relativism. You know, sure. there is no absolute truth. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's either true that's thing, yeah. true or the contradictory is, is true. You know. Sure. And that's yeah. you know, uh, uh, that's a quick way of uh, defeating that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and so like this way, this works out practically, right? So like, say you meet a, a hard bitten pacifist, like who says <laughs> no war is just, right? Usually the, the technique, the smart technique, is not to try to, to demonstrate that some war is just, right? right? But rather to show that that it's false that no war is just, right? right? Now, logically, that's a complementary task, but dialectically, like in your engagement, most people will say, we are World War II was just, right? Yeah. So if you line it up at no war is just, but wait a second, World War II was just. Well, if World War II is just, then it's false that no war is just, which means it must be true that some war is just. Right. Does that make right, sense? Right. Yeah. All right. Nothing like logic early in the morning. So the um, so that's the style of argumentation, but it's really important you get that technical point down, right? Because if you can show the absurdity of a, of a given hypothesis, then that demonstrates the truth of its contradictory. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So um, – now we can talk about the senses. <laughs> and, and so if, if what you have is the view, so the classical realist view amounts to the claim that we do have the truth, mm-hmm. right? That we do account, uh, we do um, achieve truth because our mind is ordered to the truth. Um, not, not in all of our thoughts, of course, but at least sometimes. Otherwise, we wouldn't think at all, right? right. Um uh, that being there is external being and we have some contact with external being. Okay. So one, one, you know, the most straightforward uh, way of denying this, right. Classical realism is to say that there is no truth, right. Right. That no thoughts are true. Now that's pretty obviously bad. Yeah. Right. Is <laughs> if it, so you, Jason, what, what, what do we say to a person who says such a foolish thing? I don't say anything. I just walk away. <laughs> 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 I'm just like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's might be good actually. <laughs> it's a it's a self defeating principle. It 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 just you. If you understand the logic of that of something like that, there is no truth, and you're saying that absolutely true, um, or as a true statement, then you've just contradicted yourself, and it's and it should be obvious. And if it's not obvious, then there's something in the mind of the the one who said it that is severe. That, that, but again, like you said, you know, sometimes you need to point these things out. You need to draw attention to the inconsistencies in yeah. someone's own logical paths. Um, right. Yeah, I remember somebody telling me one time, you know, uh, getting in an argument, and they're like, oh, you know, truth just isn't that important. I mean, like, you know, this search <laughs> for truth, I mean, blah, blah, blah. And so I listened for a while, and she got done, and I said, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, of course it is. Well, so I guess the truth is, is important, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, this is the thing. You can't escape it. So the person yeah. who denies that there's any truth, of course, if that's, the, if that's the case, then their own statement that there is no truth is itself false. And therefore it's true that there is a truth. <laughs> you got that? Yep. Makes sense? Yep. Right. So... This is this is gonna sound a little aggravating, but this is I mean this is what it means to combat foolishness sometimes, right? Like yeah. there's a there's a there's a part of philosophy that Socrates and Plato really specialize in, showing the groundlessness of the opposition, yeah. right? Now, as Christians, of course, we want to do that charitably, right? Yeah. Uh, in the sense that we want to lead people, we're not just doing this just to show that we're smarter or just to show that. You know that the other that somebody is espousing foolishness. We do this because we want to help them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, with that aside, <laughs> um, the next the next kind of claim could be, well, okay, maybe there's truth, but we can't know that there's truth. Right, and now right? you're Kantian. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's got to come to you. So maybe somebody gets the truth, but we can't know what's true. Yeah. So here, this is kind of like a, like if you go back to that contemporary definition, mm-hmm. right, of justified true belief, you're saying, well, maybe there's some true beliefs out there, but there's no way to justify. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so this is a, a class, like if I was a skeptic, that, that's the kind of, you know, a little, little bit better move to make, right? Um, it's not so obvious to, to defeat, but at the same time, it, it really is not stable or firm itself. So if you think about, okay, well, uh, with someone like that, you say, well, either that claim is groundless, mm-hmm. right? Or you know that we can't know the truth. Right. Right. You have some proof or some evidence for it, right? Um, and of course, if they if they say, "Oh no, no, I know that we don't know anything," right? Um, and here's my evidence and argument that may lay out a nice little argument for you. But then, of course, you say, "Well, look, you contradicted yourself, right? Yeah. You said that you know that you don't know that right. you can't know anything. But if you can't know anything, that you don't know that you don't know, right?" And so it's that's false, and therefore it's true that you do know something, right? Does right. that make sense? Yep, yep. Same, yeah, right, same so, kind of, same kind of process of uh, self-defeating, but in their in their own explanation, they're defeating their own principle that they're trying to hold up. Absolutely so, right. And and here's the thing, then, uh, um, on that basis, right? What you could say is, um, so let me give the other the other side of it is they could say, well, um, you know. I'm not going to, I don't, I don't know that we don't know. Right. Right. In which case say, okay, then your belief that we don't know is groundless. Yeah. Right. Uh, and arbitrary and therefore not, not worthy of consideration. Right. There's right. no reason to believe it. Right. Um, and so it can, uh, be, um, rejected as groundless and arbitrary. So you kind of got them on the horns of the dilemma, right? Either their belief, their thesis is groundless and arbitrary, uh, and therefore not worthy of affirmation or it's self-contradictory, right? And not worthy of affirmation. Right. And that's one thing that we were talking about, uh, you know, last time. What is a a solid source? What is a, a kind of a, a firm path, uh, a clear path to truth? So it's not just that there's truths and falsehoods out there, but there's also, you know, somebody could be explaining a truth, but if they're explaining it based on you know, arbitrary or kind of just really soft foundations. Like it's not going to have, uh, right. it's not going to have a real force or it's not going to mm-hmm. really be a convincing argument if it's based on yeah. something like, you know what I mean? Like you could say, well, you know, I feel blah, blah, blah. What you say may be true after that, but if it, but if you're simply basing it on your feelings, then it's not going to have, you know, uh, it's not going to have the force of uh, of good argument sure. or anything like that, you know. And you see yeah, this. It's all... not going to be. It's not be firm. Right, right, I right. About it. Yeah, and, and I see this especially with like you know, and I've said this before about like you know, uh, Christian apologetics. You know, I interpret scripture this way. I, you know, and then you're arguing with somebody that interprets scripture this way, and I interpret scripture this way, and it's all you know, until you get to you know who has the authority to appropriately interpret scripture. Or is there is there an authority to appropriate uh, to appropriately uh, interpret scripture? You know, you can get into that. Well, that's just how you interpret it, and I interpret it this way. You know, until you get to to a more firm uh, foundation, uh, then it becomes you know um, uh, the 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 argument or the uh, uh, dialectical refutation can grow stagnant. Uh, and so you know, you always want to go to you always want to try to find the most uh, firm, solid sources, uh, and, uh, um, basis for your, for your argument. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's true. And one, one thing to, to follow up with this is going through these two. Okay. So going through these two refutations, right. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage our listeners, if, if, if we went too fast there to go back, cause I really did try to lay that out. Right. Mm-hmm. And listen to it again write it down on a piece of paper, right? Because it, it really is going through that exercise over and over and over again, really does help your mind kind of latch on to that truth and be, and helps you to be equipped, right? To use that kind of technique when it's appropriate. If it sounds like I'm just talking about winning an argument, I, I'm not, but, yeah. but I am talking about kind of like winning an argument, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, 
but but something that's important, right? We need to be able to tell people, no, like there is a truth, right? We can know the truth. We have, we can know things, right? Now, those two processes I just went through, right? We show that it's impossible to deny, right, mm -hmm. that there's truth. Mm -hmm. And we show that it's impossible to deny that there's knowledge. Right. Right. That means that necessarily it's that means that it's necessarily true. Right. That we have the truth, at least sometimes, and that we can know. So yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's that is a dialectical proof, right, of those principles that they can that they're those principles are necessarily true because they cannot notice cannot be rationally denied. Right. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's all the proof you can get. That's ironclad. You cannot deny it because it's rationally impossible to deny those principles. Right. And any sort of argument to justify your denial of those principles is actually proof mm -hmm. of those principles. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I think that, that that's that's just super important to see that, right? Yeah. Uh, now, we'll loop back around and talk about this again in a minute, but... The, the last thing, uh, or just another thing to say about first principles is that those kinds of first principles, that we have truth, right? Yeah. That we have knowledge, that not the truth and knowledge are possible, mm -hmm. right? Um, those are things that, of course, we assume all the time, right? Yes. It's only when you're trying to justify your stupid adultery, right, or your porn habit <laughs> that you start saying, well, it's just your truth, man, that porn's bad. No, no. right? You're, you're, you're being foolish, right? It, all the time we assume, we were, our minds are set up, right, mm -hmm. such that we assume these principles in our normal cognitive activity, right? Yeah. Our normal cognitive activity, right, works from sort of as launch points, as roots, right? The conviction that truth is possible, the conviction that truth is based in reality, and the conviction that um, that we can know things. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. And it also, you know, it makes me also think of, you know, like the skeptic, because when you're talking about uh, knowing the truth, having the knowledge, having the confidence in the truth to actually live your you know live a life and stuff like that like mm -hmm. the the you know another point and this may be off topic a little but it's not the knowledge that we have of the thing it doesn't have to be like direct knowledge of how the thing works in all of its forms uh that sure. that it can you know for the a good example that i use is uh you know your brake pedal you mm -hmm. know do you have mm -hmm. direct knowledge of how that brake pedal operates you know most people don't i used to be a mechanic right. so i could tell you all about it i can <laughs> i have direct knowledge but does that mean that does that mean that oh well i really don't I, I mean i really don't know people say that that this will stop the car but i really don't know so i'm 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 not gonna push the i'm not gonna drive a car until i <laughs> until i understand how the brake pedal works or, or like, but yeah I, you know i'm gonna push on this right the pedal on the right instead of the pedal on the left, because it could maybe that's the one that stops the car, right? Yeah, yeah. Who are you to judge? Yeah, no. <laughs> but, but 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 I mean, like you know. So I mean, even the even when we're we're talking about say uh, uh, knowing something and and certainty that mm -hmm. that we don't have to have this kind of scientific or scientism esque uh. knowledge <laughs> uh. of uh, of of what a thing is to be really confident in it. Um, that, that we can, we can have confidence and truth that, that we may not, um, be able to, um, not just, not just explain, but I mean, have the direct knowledge of, of every single aspect of it. But, right. uh, um, but to, you know, but to have that confidence when you do, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, you know, push the brake pedal, you know, you can, trust, right. you know, right. yeah. we do it all the yeah. time. But, yeah. Here's another parallel maybe that that uh, will resonate with our listeners. The kinds of things that we're talking about right now are first principles of what uh, St. Thomas and Aristotle would call theoretical reason or speculative reason. Yeah. But we're also familiar with first principles of practical reason, right? The Another name for those are the precepts of the natural law, mm -hmm. right? That is, you know, you may, may, you may say, well, you know, ideas about justice are arbitrary or blah, blah, blah. <laughs> But really, we don't all we don't act like that in our normal lives, yeah, right? Yeah. In our ordinary lives, 
we act as if life is valuable, right? right. We act as if uh, ownership is real, right? <laughs> um, we act that way on a normal basis because it's hardwired into our reasoning. And as a matter of fact, even more importantly, if you don't accept those views, mm -hmm. right? If you don't accept the basic precepts of the natural law, shorthand, the Ten Commandments, okay? Yeah. Um, actually, St. Thomas is utterly clear on this. This oh, drives me crazy. There's this endless debate among scholars <laughs> about whether, like, what are the first, what are the most basic precepts of the natural law, right? Uh, it's, it's weird. Let's look at question 94, article 2 endlessly. Let's start um, over. St. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas tells you, idiots. <laughs> It's, it's, the, it's the Ten Commandments, okay? But anyways, um, sorry, uh, that's an aside. Um, the, uh, um, but if you don't take the Ten Commandments or something very much like it, right, yeah. as basic, you just can't reason morally, right? right. So again, it's a, it's a similar kind of argumentation, right? To, uh, to, you don't prove, I mean, you can go through a very long-winded way of trying to explain why murder is wrong. But another thing to think is that another path and a quicker path, and I think in some ways like a stronger path, mm -hmm. is to show the impossibility of moral reasoning without that precept. Right, right. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. So that it's a necessary condition. It's a foundation. Like you just can't do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Unless you think that innocent human life must be protected. Yeah. Now, is this what we would call in epistemology? Is this what we would call those a priori truths? Those truths that come um, prior, or yeah, where, know, where I, I'm hesitant to say a priori, but yeah. uh, but I understand what you're saying. I would say that they're they're um, they're first principles. They're first principles that are had by understanding. They are. Uh, I think they're verified by reasoning. I mean, the way yeah, Saint yeah. Thomas sets it up is that. They're not priori principles in this sense. That they're not innate knowledge. That is, okay. our mind is ordered to develop them, right? Yeah, yeah. But it does still take experience. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of St. Thomas's halfway between innate knowledge on the one hand and pure empiricism on the other, right? Is to say, well, the mind has innate inclinations. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Then develop these ideas, but 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 practically speaking, I think you can say, you know, they're akin to innate ideas, or they're they're first principles, they're foundational. You don't go around proving them. Really, nobody, you know, it's, right? It's, uh, so we can we can talk about sense knowledge here now. It's, you brought it up earlier, or sense skepticism, but nobody doubts their senses until they get into some philosophy class or they watch <laughs> The Matrix or some other silly movie, right? Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's one of those things, like you said, like. The majority of people that live their life live their life according to these principles. They don't. Right. They don't question them. Um, they don't. They don't uh, until they get into uh, uh, some philosophy class or they get into some discussion where they're trying to hold up something else, and so they begin yeah. to deny the basic principles that they live by, and that yeah. and that honestly, like you know, society uh, uh, would would fall apart if we didn't live by. I mean, it was of just. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say the one other exception about that, and this is where we see it all the time, and why epistemology comes up so much, is in the wake of the sexual revolution, right? Yeah. That is, people will do anything to justify their sexual disorder, <laughs> um, and uh, up to including embrace irrational forms of epistemology. You know, you'll be like, well, look, you know, adultery is wrong because adultery is contrary to the contract you made in which you pledged sexual fidelity. Right, you should give blah blah blah. You know, so you go, and you get back to a first principle: justice is to render what is due to another. Right? Yeah. Okay. And they're like, "Well, that's just your truth, man." Well, <laughs> obviously, what you're speaking there is not your reason, but your lust, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you desire to have a particular sexual kind of satisfaction or sexual liberty, and 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 that sort of domination of your mind by lust. St. Augustine is so good on this, right? Yeah. And scripture is as well, right? Um, drives you into these epistemological errors and irrationality, right? Um, so that's another area, right, where normal people, right, people who are normally rational will start to spout this nonsense, right, yeah. in order to justify their obvious sin, right? Um, uh uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why skepticism is just so, just everywhere. 
uh, because people will will say people that the the most honest person that you know you're describing or whatever will will say, well, you know, if I if I don't hold this, then I have to say that what I did was wrong. So who knows you know so they just kind of throw up their hands well who knows you know because if they were to be kind of logically consistent they would have to say well the way or at least the way that i'm justifying my lust or whatever my my uh uh, sexual sins like um it's at least you know uh, uh incoherent to the point where you know i either need to um uh, everything I need to be skeptic of everything, or yeah, I I don't have a good argument for that, or I, or I may have to say that I am wrong. Uh, that's right. Yeah, in my that's thinking, right. that's right. And, and that's that is hard, the yeah. Nobody wants to be there. Yeah, nobody that's wants right. to be there. That's right. Um, well, so anyways, I think that those are are some some good things to keep in mind when you're thinking about these as first principles, right? These yeah, ideas. Yeah. We do have truth. The mind is ordered to truth. We do have knowledge. The mind is ordered towards knowledge. Um, uh, and, and that, and that we have truth and knowledge is a sign of our contact and engagement with a uh, real being and that the denial of it leads to foolishness and, um, really is, um, uh, unsupportable. Another example of this, right. Is, um, um, the sense skepticism, right. So you were mm-hmm. talking earlier about the idea yeah. of, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, my senses have deceived me right? Yeah. in the past. How do I know they're not deceiving me now? Um, well, a couple of things can be said there. Uh, but one, you know, this question comes up once you've established, uh, the reality of truth and the reality of knowledge, then, um, you, you know, you could say, well, how do you know? And of course, Aristotle and St. Thomas says, well, it's complicated, but all knowledge begins in the senses, mm-hmm. right? Uh, again, this is basic common sense yeah. realism right um and you might sort of somebody might offer the kind of argument that you just offered to say well no it doesn't really start in the senses how do you know right because yeah, yeah. the senses have deceived you how do you know they're not saying that so two responses one is how do you know they deceived you you only know they deceived you because uh it only makes sense to say the senses deceived you if you know through your senses right when you've gotten it right yeah. right so how does it actually work let's say that you see some shiny material down the street Mm-hmm. basically translucent small fragments laying on the ground at the end of the street. Right. And you look down the street and from a distance, right. It's kind of reflective translucent. You think, Oh man, somebody has broken some glass down there. Right. Mm-hmm. And because it, it kind of from a distance, okay. it looks that way. Right. Uh, but you get closer and you start to see, Oh, it's turning into liquid. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just ice. Right. It's yeah. melting. Right. Now the, you're only able to know that your prior sense judgment about that perception is false, right? If the subsequent one was true. Does that make sense? So again, the very idea that we have false sense perception. So to say that since the senses are reliable is not to be a sense infallibleist, right? Right, right, right. Uh, I don't have to say that the senses are infallible. I just have to say they're reliable, right? Um, uh, It it doesn't make any sense that sorry it's not logical <laughs> to deny to say that the senses sometimes are wrong unless you grant that sometimes they're right okay? right the knowledge we have that sense perception is sometimes wrong presupposes that sense perception is sometimes right right and again and again this also goes back to you know you would not you would not leave your house if you didn't trust your senses you know, <laughs> like practically speaking, nobody denies these things until they get into a blasted f- philosophical <laughs> argument about some sexual sin or something like that. That's right. That's right. I mean, Can you imagine trying to drive like, I don't know, some skepticism. Uh, is, it, is that a road or a tree or a cliff or a waterfall? Like, you know, like, yeah, again, you know, the, the, it's almost, you know, it's almost ridiculous on just, you know, kind of the practicality of it. Mm-hmm. Although I know, yes, yeah, you know, philosophers should not be all practical, but. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't be only practical. Right, right. The practical and the concrete is a, is a legitimate test. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, um, there are things beyond being practical and concrete, but it's still uh, certainly a legitimate test. 
So if you back up and look at everything we've talked about here, right? So I'm yeah. not going to keep going through these. We could go, yeah, I mean, it's fun. But oh, yeah. uh, those three dialectical refutations are sufficient, really, okay, I think to, to ground what you would call classical realism or maybe even just common sense realism. Mm -hmm. um, again, basically that you can't deny that there's truth. Right. You can't deny that we know things and you can't deny that the senses are reliable. Okay. <laughs> right. Following it, you know, we do have truth. We do know, and the senses are reliable. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Those are some of the basic tenets, right? Uh, basic principles of uh, classical realism. Um, the way you show them though, the way you demonstrate them is not through a direct argument, by, but by showing it's impossible to right. deny the contrary, right? right? Or it's impossible to affirm the contrary, I should say. It's impossible to deny them. Um, now, this is the way of first principles. Mm -hmm. If you wanna back up here and sort of look at a larger philosophical issue that I think is at work here, Alistair McIntyre has a nice little essay about this, but uh, there's probably a few things that are, are less um, accepted, right, uh, in contemporary philosophy than the idea of first principles. Um, yeah, and right. hence the barren uh, futility of so much of contemporary philosophy, right? Um, the ancients just got this one right, okay? Yeah. There are different levels of knowledge, different levels of thought. It's interesting how often... Um, Jason, our conversations come back to this idea of levels and hierarchies and and things like that, right? It's, it, I mean, that just is interesting. Like, I don't know fully how to explain it, but my, I find that in my own thinking, my interaction with modern thought, the kind of flattening out. Like, yeah. Modern thought tends to want to say everything's the same and flat, or everything's totally different, right? Yeah. It, you know, like we've run at that over and over again, and really, it's the same thing with knowledge. It's not totally different, but it's not all the same. There's different kinds of knowledge, and they're hierarchically related. Yeah, and the 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 thing that I find so kind of just uh, just edifying, you know, intellectually is the mm -hmm. and this is a um, kind of probably a hallmark of um, classical realism is that it, it, it there's an order to it, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and the thing is is that this is this is something that we should take you know solace in. This is something that mm -hmm. that. That that there is an order to all of this, and and it, I mean, right. and to think about you know any other sort of you know take the 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 scientists. I mean, the scientist has to be a realist because they believe that there's a sure. truth about what they're what they're um, what they're looking at. There's knowledge, right? There's mm -hmm. knowledge to be grasped, and 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 mm -hmm. that we can and that we can reach it. And so there's uh, uh but but again, I mean, you look at you know science is you know really just ordering all of these things together and. Sure. And looking at the order that is already out there. And, and so I always find it, you know, interesting when people are like, I'm not a man of faith, I'm a man of science, you know? So, I mean, on the one hand, they're holding up this, this kind of supreme mm -hmm. order and knowability mm -hmm. of reality. And then at the other hand saying it's, you know, uh, you know, a, cha a chaotic, you know, pinball, uh, uh, pinball <laughs> machine of, of, right. of people's truths and like all these things. Um, but, but, you know, and, and I think when you, when you begin to deny, like you said, those first principles, I mean, I, the, the image that immediately pops into my mind, uh, you can tell me how correct I am in it is, you know, like <laughs> Mad Max. I mean, I mean, <laughs> like, that's what, if you deny the, if you deny kind of these basic things, uh -huh. the philosophical landscape has turned into this Mad Max of, uh, <laughs> of everybody just, you know, I mean, it's a free for all and people are just, you know, throwing whatever they have at each other. I mean, it's just, it's madness. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it is kind of this uh, um, sort of chaos, anarchy, um, I think another way, uh, sort of uh, example um, you could bring in is uh, uh, right now I'm leading a, a seminar uh, discussion on um, um, C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, in there there's a theologian <laughs> who's been in hell for a long time. And <laughs> he just keeps denying that he's in hell. Like he doesn't realize. He's like, he's like, no, it's, it's the, he says it's, it's the city of the perpetual hope of dawn. <laughs> 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 what 
rubbish, right? <laughs> what nonsense, right? Like you, you've given me this poetic name, right? But like, I don't want the perpetual hope of Don. I want Don. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, I, I actually think the Mad Max comparison is not bad at all. Um, so I think the, 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 the philosophical issue that I want our listeners kind of go away with here or vision yeah. is that there are levels, right? And that levels of thought and levels of knowledge and that it's really key to recognize that not every level of knowledge is demonstrated or verified in the same way. So there's a level of first principles. Right. And then on top of that, we build the level of reasoning of um, rational demonstration mm -hmm. where we have conclusions that we derive logically, right? From prior premises, right. right? So that can be done deductively or inductively where we move from experience to general truths, right? Mm -hmm. But in both of those, both of those, whether you're going deductive or inductive, there's the level of what I would call derived knowledge, right? right? Um, that's very important and that's very often what we're doing, right? But there's also a, a prior level of knowledge and that is the knowledge of first principles. If you tried, if you mix up these categories though, you're going to get all screwed up, right? You, what you need to do, because what happens is, is the standards that are appropriate to derive knowledge get applied to first principle knowledge or first mm, order knowledge. Interesting. Right? Yeah. And then what happens is you're like, oh, we well, got to prove that you know something. You've got to prove by rational demonstration that there's the truth, right? Yeah. And by prove, what I mean is derive it from prior premises. D do you follow me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's experience. interesting. And what happens is modern skepticism, okay? Yeah. You can't. And this is it's really fascinating. Aristotle knew this in the posterior analytics, right? He says, right, if you have to demonstrate everything, then you'll know nothing, yeah. right? And I remember grabbing onto that, right? Like maybe my first year of graduate school, I'm like, oh, yeah, this... This, this is the thing, right? Like I've been trying through my undergraduate years to find a way to demonstrate Everything. right yeah. knowledge and truth and, and sense reliability. And I realized, oh, you can't demonstrate that. But that doesn't mean it's false. It just means there's a different way of knowing, right? right? right, right. Um, and so what you want to do is, uh, um, uh, let me give you a clear example of this, so where we, do, we, we confuse different forms of knowledge and evidence. If you, if I was to ask you, you know, is uh, Jason wearing a flannel shirt, right? The the way to answer that question is not to present an argument. Right? Okay. The way to answer that question is to say, yes, he is. Yes. Look, his yes. shirt. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the way to answer that question, not to offer an argument. Similarly, with first principles, you do not, okay, show the truth of first principles by trying to derive it for something more basic, yeah. right? First principles are known, but not from other principles, not from other premises. Does that make sense? Yeah, and, but um, you can demonstrate it by telling others, look, <laughs> there right. it is. So yeah. The way that you, yeah, the way that you show, you verify mm -hmm. first principles is you don't mount a dim, an argument that, that, that ends with them as a conclusion, Right. right, right. What you do is you, one, you show the impossibility of denying them, mm -hmm. right? That's that dialectical refutation we've been going through, right? And two, uh, you show that actually, um, this is just kind of the positive flip side of this, uh, of dialectical refutation, that in your actual thought processes, you presuppose these principles all right. the time. Right. So what you're showing is that the that these are, in fact, necessary conditions of thought and they cannot be rationally denied. That's the way you show. Right. First principles. You verify first principles. If you can keep that in mind, it's going to save you a lot of uh, difficulty yeah. um, in the area of epistemology. And I think the failure to recognize that. Uh, is really the story of modern epistemology, with a few exceptions. Um, there is some contemporary epistemology that's worth studying, particularly by Alvin Plantinga. I'm not going to get into all that right now. Sure. One person actually who was in the modern period and who kind of gets neglected now, although there's been some some interest in him, is a philosopher named Thomas Reed. Mm, uh, yeah. He's a Scottish philosopher. There was a school of philosophy called Scottish Common Sense Realism. Mm. Uh, doesn't that just sound wholesome? <laughs> <laughs> 
Sounds like something you discuss over, yeah, pint. Of- that's right. That's right, a pint, exactly. Um, uh, so you get out of the salons of Paris, man, and go to the highlands of Scotland, and then you can get some common sense realism, man. Come on. But anyways, the, uh, um, the, uh, the basic idea, like, uh, he does a nice job of formulating that in, in conversation with uh, kind of both radical empiricist as well as uh, rationalist of the modern period. And something that's really interesting, a lot of people don't know this, is that uh, Scottish uh, common sense realism was extremely influential in the United States mm. um, uh, uh, among the founders and so forth. We usually think of John Locke, and that's correct. Yeah. John Locke was very uh, influential among the founders, but so was uh, Thomas Reed. In fact, you can actually find some early Supreme Court cases that cite Thomas Reed as an authority. Oh, wow. Uh, which is really interesting, right? Like you're like, oh, well, you know, like they call him the astute Mr. Reed. Um, but anyways, uh, <laughs> really great time. That's really uh, <laughs> so. Anyways, um, uh, if you're interested, I, I don't think all the the modern philosophers got it wrong. Thomas Reed is an exception, and yeah. Thomas Reed in his own day was actually quite influential, uh, both in Scotland and England, but especially in the United States. Uh, interestingly enough. Um, Anyways, I hope that gives our, our listeners like a good sort of understanding of both classical realism and mm-hmm. why we should be confident, not arrogant, but confident, right? Yeah. That truth and knowledge uh, are reliable, basically that reason is reliable, right? Uh, and that the senses are reliable, right? right? Uh, not infallible by any stretch, okay? <laughs> <laughs> not infallible but reliable. Um, so we should have a, a certain degree of confidence in that. Um, and um, maybe expose our listeners to think about things in terms of derived knowledge versus first principle knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's a really important distinction uh, to have in mind. All right, Dr. Smith. Well, thank you very much for, for that. And I think that's, you know, uh, just Sometimes I think, you know, the modern person, as much as, you know, I get frustrated sometimes. I'm just always trying to understand the 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 absurdities that are out there, you know, and trying to find an answer. But, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where you, you before you try to answer the absurdities or you're trying to, to, to answer the questions that the modern skeptic brings, it, mm-hmm. you know, you got to know uh, um, where they're coming from and you got to know, you know what? You know, I'm not going to take take their their first principles, you know, right. of uh, uh, on on face value. You know, I'm going to and that's where I need a challenge. So, again, some of it's, you know, um, uh, going back to these very basic things that, again, many of us. I mean, if we didn't live our life by these, uh, we'd be just very lonely people <laughs> in our houses, you know, but also to, to, to have the confidence that not, like you said, not arrogance, but have the confidence that, you know, you know, there's truth, we can know it, uh, and we can rely on our senses. Uh, uh and in that way, and this is a sound and clear path and, you know, simple way, uh, to truth. Uh, one yeah. that doesn't need, you know, elaborate, um, treaties, on uh you know this or that it's there's a simplicity there that that we we know from human experience and human nature um so i just want to encourage our listeners to um uh to check out all of our content uh on uh, catholicstudiesacademy.com uh dr smith's class on epistemology will be rolling out soon Uh, until next time god bless